0: So last week, I expressed how um, I had been, or was till fairly recently, pr- pretty, l- you know, women could do pretty much everything except be elders. So the senior leadership of churches, which from my framework was elders and apostles, was gender specific to m- males. Uh, and what I did is I went through some of the things that questions that grew for me that may have made me have a re-examination of the whole the whole thing really. Uh, but pretty much since I do got became a Christian that that was the kind of teaching that we grew up in. that It was male male headship, and uh, that that in the in home and church, men were the head. Um, and that that was an authority thing. Uh, now what's happened over time is I think even in culture a lot of a lot of marriages church marriages are not sort of the old Victorian I am the head of the household and do as I say. I mean there are still a few around actually but 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 actually become because the culture around us isn't <laughs> like that a lot of a lot of marriages have become more more mutual anyway even if in theory, people have held to that other view. So, if we get time, I'll I'll do a quick theology of marriage in the light of all these other things at, at the end. So it'll be a bit of a fastening safety belts, stretch your brain cells. Okay. Um, so, so here we go. Here's some of the the practices that we we had. I think were quite. I could do this in the right order, I'm not going to lose you, aren't I? Um, so, I define the terms complementarian, egalitarian. Complementarian is the view I just expressed, really. The idea is that men and women before God are equal, but they have different roles, and that means that women never have the primary authority in home or church. Egalitarian is much more. Marriage is a partnership, and and women can do anything in church that men can. Uh, and those are the two sort of views on this subject that are, uh, you know, Bible-believing theologians have argued for and are still arguing to and fro either side of that that debate. Um, where I start to come from is all the, the the prohibition scriptures on women. The more you look at them, the more you find that they're actually and not superficial reading it can sound oh yeah women don't have authority over men don't teach and keep quiet in church type stuff but actually if you have a, a proper read they become more the more you look at them the more problematic they become uh, and i started to have more issues with the texts themselves and i've listed some of the classic ones there without going into too much detail then section B, I talked about the practice the, the actual practices that we had um, <coughs> I, I start to struggle with well, how do you find when is a woman leading, how do you find when is a woman teaching, so in, in that world we would let women lead children's work, which had men workers in it no men, male workers in it uh, teach them, come up with a teaching agenda, we would let Women lead small groups. We let them lead worship in you know large mixed settings, but you know you couldn't be the senior figure or in in the eldership, which is the senior realm of, of decision making. But ah, there's all sorts of you know where do you, so women teaching they couldn't teach, but then they're allowed to share but not teach, or they couldn't share foundational teaching, which is a really difficult. It's not like a, a nice, clear Bible definition. Well, this is foundational and this is peripheral. It really, it really is not easy to figure. And on, 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 and you end up with a with a bunch of rules for women that you don't have for men. So you end up with a sort of somebody has to come up with some legalistic structure so that you don't break the rule, which is women shouldn't have senior leadership and teach. Are you, are you? So it was all around that. I thought, well this is just getting more and more. A, difficult to know, and B, rule-based rather than freedom. Um, Then, although we believed that women could do all sorts of things, there didn't seem to be many women coming through in any kind of powerful role, like evangelists or prophets or healers. Uh, There was consistently quite a lack of honour for the wives of leaders who make a massive contribution to church leadership, Church planting, ministry, whatever. Um, and then I. I was just, we were chatting at the front here about big picture stuff just briefly. I'm, I'm a bit of a big picture person. So I had a, I had a growing list of big picture theological issues, uh, which the danger is that you'll we'll get sort of bogged down in them. But at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 male and female he created them God said let us make man in our image male and female he created them then he said let them rule over the earth to Mm. subdue it etc so he made a the image of God was a male female partnership that ruled the earth Mm -hmm. pre the fall Mm. so the beginning was something where you didn't have this kind of men there, I'm going to drop my laptop You know, men there, women there sort of thing and then even when, when, when the story is retold and women the woman is taken out of the man's side sorry, someone's buzzing my phone, I'm just checking I don't need to let someone else in oh, no, it's announcing baby Joshua Elijah Sharp was born this morning at 9.10am weighing 9 pounds
1: <laughs> both
0: mum and baby are fine Post pictures online soon," says so John Sharp. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, when when the and we'll f- refer this to this later, the help a suitable bit after the woman is taken out of the side of the man. Uh, the Hebrew word Aza kenegd go" however you say it, AV translated help me or help a suitable. Probably the best way of translating it would be strong ally, like the Americans were in World War II. So it, it, it's it's someone. It's a very strong word, not a weak word. So that's God's original intention, um, and actually the idea that the man would rule over the woman was, was in the curse, in Genesis 3.16, that's where that idea that he shall rule over you comes in, is in the curse. Uh, then I had an eschatological issue an end time issue so at the end there doesn't seem to be any gender distinction about who's ruling with Jesus Uh, we're going to reign with him Uh, we've been made a kingdom of priests to our God and we'll reign on the earth so there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth it doesn't seem to be a gender um, qualification for the end time thing. so the beginning it seems to be a partnership and at the end it doesn't seem to matter which gender is involved. Uh, and then in gifts of the Spirit, and this is where a question came up. So Acts two, uh, seventeen to eighteen, where the prophet Joel is quoted at the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost and it says it's in the in the in the notes there. The last days it shall be, God declares. I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even I am our servants and female servants. So you've got. I'm not sure. This is your question, so if I don't answer it properly, come back at me. But it, it's specifically saying the spirits for for both sides. It's also explicitly saying. I think what that whole thing is saying is that the, it, the the last day outpouring is on all flesh. It's not dependent on your age or your gender. Everybody gets the spirit. I don't know if that answers your question, Simon. But so, so the the generation that's going to take you know bring Jesus back is a generation of anointed people, not the younger generation. Yeah, you know, we've heard that a lot in. Oh, it's going to be the youngsters, no, it's going to be the anointed people, whether they're 85 or 15, it's the anointed people, and the the Holy Spirit is for men, women old and young, middle aged, whatever, skinny thin, losing weight at weight watchers or not, if you're anointed you can be powerful
1: Um,
0: and, and the main lists of gifts of the Spirit, as far as I can see, don't pick out you know well some women get these gifts and men get get those gifts so if you look at ephesians 4 romans 12 1 corinthians 12 they they, they talk about the body in a non gender specific way so it seems that the spirit is given and the gifts of the spirit doesn't seem to have a gender tag or gender categorization going on um, the Trinity thing um, we said a little bit about that some t- in some uh, commentators theologians use the idea of to say that Jesus was permanently submitted to the Father to sort of lift up the value of women being permanently submitted to men so there are some people that would teach and you will find that view in Grudem's systematic theology uh, Piper Grudem's Men and Women in Biblical Perspective uh, is that basically Jesus is, you know, actually submitting to a man your whole life is a holy thing because that's what Jesus has done for all eternity, past, present, and future. So it's kind of a slightly hierarchical view of Trinity that's then used to back up a view of, of headship and so forth. And, and, and i talked about how i don't think the trinity is hierarchical i don't think the early church fathers thought it was hierarchical because the the father son and holy spirit are co-equal co-eternal and co-substantial and if you have permanent inability if you like permanent submission what the arians either the the jw's argue is they go well if he's permanently submitted he isn't equal then is he so they don't believe in the full divinity of Christ like we do for this very reason. So like, we have to be really careful we don't end up with a subordinate Christ in a, actually what is a co-equal trinity just in a way to try and back up our idea about male-female roles. So we had a bit of a look at that. See, We worked hard last week, didn't we guys?
1: <laughs>
0: um, and then some of the things that Re- really, kind of push this forward for me is the stuff we've been learning the last two, or three years. Is our growing awareness of the issue of freedom and identity? What What does it mean for how free are women? How free are men? And if you forever exclude from the major, cho- if you forever exclude one gender from the opportunity to influence. The major choices, the setting of the atmosphere, the policy, da 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 If you exclude any group forever from that role, in lots of other settings, that would be seen as some sort of exclusion, oppression, domination. You know, and we talked a bit about South Africa, how uh, you, you, you had, whatever it is, about 7 million whites and 40 odd million coloureds and blacks, but only the whites had the vote which means only people by colour got any power A- and that's kind of what we can end up saying to them is you don't really have any power we just you just have to function in this world ultimately that you you have no right to influence because government is in the hands of men mm-hmm. so I started to think yeah I'm not sure he said claim to set the captives free you know, so, so you have to think about that. Is is what we do, is what we were doing, actually inhibiting the liberty that Jesus bought for half the body of Christ? So, and and then being powerful people, you know, this lack of, of women coming through in powerful ministries. Again, Jesus sent us to discipled nations, and again, that's not it's only it's not just blokes that do that. The way that you know that we're gonna be salt and light, we're gonna influence nations, we're gonna which literally means we're to disciple people groups, and that may mean that we're disciple individuals, but but the the Great Commission is to actually disciple whole nations, whole ethnos people groups in the ways of Christ. Mm. Uh, so that's that's needs powerful people to do that. Um Then we got in I told you, you worked hard. Wow. Then we got into more detail on some of the difficult scriptures, and probably the well, no, not probably the crucial one is 1 Timothy 2:12, uh, and we're going to we're going to just sort of go through this bit a little bit slower because a few questions came up about this about this section, understandably. So uh, I don't know if somebody could read out for us 1 Timothy 2:11 to the end of the. Well, actually, read, I can't read the verses. Read from the the bit about men lifting up hands without disputing to the end of the, the chapter, if you would, please. One Timothy two. How's everybody doing for heat? anybody brave enough or found it
2: that's it go from there that's great yeah please I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach, for to have authority over a man she must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, with propriety.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Virtually every verse is either difficult or controversial. I mean... Like the end verse, a woman is saved through childbirth. We're suddenly into salvation by works if you just read it at face value. We don't believe that. Uh, most of the, you know, so, poor. what a shame for any lady struggling to have children. You know, you could go all sorts of really bad places with that. Uh, the clothing, you know, don't braid your hair. Okay, you're out.
1: anybody
0: anybody who doesn't shop in you know H&M or, or Primark you're out you know sort of um, that i mean the 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 outward appearance thing is is just obviously cultural you know so we don't apply that in a in a black and white literalistic way because what those emblems meant in their culture don't mean the same in our culture so that's what that's about yeah
2: this week you said you mentioned when we talked about um, the argument that the church made in far, as far as was it was in man ruling woman, women. You said that the order in creation was not relevant yet it's quoted in here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why that's I made the point. That, yeah. yeah, so it, it, I'm going to get to that. Okay,
2: right. Good
0: question. <laughs> okay. um, Good question. <laughs> so, so, it is well it is well recognised that this this whole section is is I'm fraught with difficulty. And our our verse that we spent time on w- was, you know, f- particularly from the point of view of what we're talking about, uh, uh, where Paul says, I wouldn't have a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. It sounds pretty final, but rather be silent, isn't it? The um, And it is here where lots of people have hung their Theological hat on, if they want to hold to a complementarian view of this whole deal. All right, so that's why we spent so much time on it. But I realised by zooming in on it, there's—I actually didn't do the rest of the verse, which is what triggered uh, some of the some of the questions that I got afterwards. So fair, fair cop. Um, I didn't do a thorough, as, as thorough a job as I thought. So the word for authority, which is where we zoomed in on, authentane. Is only used once here um, in the whole of the New Testament and later I think, I forget now there's over a hundred uses of the word exousia which is the more normal word for authority but Paul chooses to use a unique word here that is not used anywhere else in the New Testament for authority so immediately that should give you the heads up that there is a reason for this he's trying to point out a unique situation so then there's a lot of hot debate about about that i found i had a bit of a reader put on it today and actually the a couple of times in the old testament the greek translation of the old testament this use, word is used but that's it in translating from the the hebrew so the we went into the the sources in the greek use of the greek words at the time which tend to point to an has a negative connotation when used in relationship. So the AV actually way back in 1611 they they said it means usurp authority. So they immediately inserted the the negative connotation. And as soon as you do that it, it, it means what's being forbidden is not all authority but certain uses of authority in a way that the Bible also would preclude domination use you know usurping authority by anybody regardless of gender okay and as soon as, so as soon as you make that the case it starts to change the meaning of the whole the whole situation mm-hmm. um, so what I didn't do is that the key phrase did escan authentain, which is it also has teach in it, so some was saying "Well, it's saying not teach or have authority." So does that mean they can have authority now, but not still not teach? Because I didn't deal with that. Fair cop. Um, so is teach still prohibited? I think the trouble going there is, is, is the two two answers I have for that is one is elsewhere in Scripture women do teach men. So you've got the example of I know it's a couple but the woman is clearly involved in teaching Apollos. So Aquila and Priscilla, Acts eighteen twenty six. And in one Corinthians fourteen twenty six it actually says that each one has a psalm a hymn, a teaching or a word of instruction. So there is clearly there freedom for all genders to contribute in the public setting second reason is the sentence structure and, and, and I had a good look at this again and, and c- can i just say you don't have to agree with me you know there're I'm not a greek scholar i've i've read the greek scholars but i'm not a greek scholar and you know you don't have to agree with me to be in hope church yeah. but but i am trying to explain the journey and give you some some thorough re- thorough reasons biblically for having a shift to what I, uh, I and us as a church have taught before. Um, the, the sentence structure here many argue it, it, it reads better as teach a man in a dominating way. There's a, there's a word for the structure which I can't remember some technical word for the kind of way that sentence is put together And it seems to be that that's that's a good way of reading it and then the whole thing starts to if you say it says that that whole section starts to flow and make a bit more sense because then it says and be silent doesn't it or remain quiet which which means again clearly women are not meant to be permanently silent in public meetings because again we have examples elsewhere where women are encouraged, for instance, to pray and prophesy or the other verse we just referred to so it can't mean just zip it full stop and actually the word is probably to to listen in quietness which is to do with as much demeanour as what's coming out of your mouth and the context it seems there's a bit of tension or something going on in the church because just a few verses earlier you've got I want the men to lift their hands without dissension, and here is wanting the women to be still, to be to be quiet, and not to be all riled up. So it sounds like he's bringing to both sides a bit of calm down, calm down. How are we doing? This is this is not in the original notes. So you might want to scribble those bits in and then he goes on to say for a man, the man was made first and then the woman and then it was not Adam deceived but the woman was deceived which which actually isn't true no, is. <laughs> well it is true but it is, it. is so let, let's kind of go take this one, one bit at a time so of course the man was made first but ever since then, men have always come from women. Yeah. That's a bit of a genius insight there. But all men have a mother. Um, so God made man, 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 first, and took woman out of man. But ever since then, man's come out of a out of a woman. And and uh, when. Eve give birth to Cain she cries out because she says I have given birth to a man I mean she's done what God did yeah. um, and if we're right about the context here where the culture was one of Diana which was a female-dominated culture where this goddess came to earth married a human male and was the dominant person in that relationship th- this is simply a reminder that that actually men came first they just balanced this equation here if that makes sense so if you're correcting something that's swinging this other way you've got women teaching in a way that's dominating and dominating men is saying calm down, be quiet remember actually God did make guys first and remember Eve was the vulnerable one who took the first step and, and and at the fruit i mean actually god blamed both of them because it's clear that adam was there and if you read romans 5 he sort of seems to take the rap for all of it so it's almost like if you read all the scripture there's equal blame being apportioned to the the men and the women so that that's kind of how how i i would look at it now is it's what it says is i wouldn't have a woman to teach in such a way as usurp or dominate men but rather to be at peace and quiet remembering that actually it hasn't always been that women were first and then men came but actually man was formed first so he's important in God's order and it was Eve Remember, ladies, it was Eve. You know, it's that kind of corrective to a female dominated culture where they're getting bigger than their boots, there's tension, there's rivalry, there's domination. I still don't really know what giving birth, being saved through childbearing means. Although, there's a symmetry to it. But what it could mean is. But although he's saying, on the one hand, she was the one that reached up and took the fruit, she's also the one that gave whose seed brought the saviour through whom we're all saved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some commentators don't like that, but to be honest, none of them really know. So you know, when you get to this point, you think, "Well, I'm going with what I think's right," because (laughs) there's not there's not agreement. so I've tried to answer some of the questions about that on on the way on the way through, which is I didn't really talk about the teach, I didn't really talk about being quiet, so I've just tried to do the the whole picture, and that maybe will help the rest of you catch up with what we were talking about last time. All right, <sighs> keep going. Then we did headship hierarchy trinity. Oh my goodness! Well, I've mentioned that a little bit already. You can read that at your le- leisure. Then I looked at the husband of one wife verses in 1 Timothy 3 does does the fact that elders qualification is husband of one wife exclude women from senior leadership and we kind of we unpacked the, the syntax of the whole passage Man we worked hard last week guys you're amazing <laughs> you came back I'm not promising it'll be easier this week but It's not quite as detailed. Um, So, in that passage, one Timothy three, there's a section on elders: be husbands of one wife, and you're not given to, you know, uh, is it fighting and greed and much wine and so forth. And then, and then there's a thing about deacons, and you get a similar kind of list. And then it goes in verse eleven, we had some fun here. Depends on what translation you read, it says either deacons wives or deaconesses, in like manner, grave, not false accusers, vigilant, faithful in all things. But the actual text so what I think it says their wives or deaconesses. In the Greek there's no their the word there isn't there wives in Greek and women is the same word and you decide if it's about a wife or a woman from the context and there is no Greek word for deaconess so that's that's a translator's liberty putting in what he thinks makes best sense of the structure of the flow of the stuff what it basically says without interpretation is women in like manner have this characteristic. So it's absolutely possible that this is a qualification for the women in the church who are in leadership, and it doesn't include wife of one husband because according to Gordon Fee the husband of one wife is there because of frequent and almost normative infidelity among men. So of course you're going to say husband of one wife whereas the women didn't seem to apply, they were more faithful, etc. So it's quite possible that is set up to be qualifications for men and women in leadership, ministering roles in in the church. Again, you don't have to agree with me, but I think you can read, if you want to read up on stuff like that, Gordon Fee's commentary on 1 Timothy is good. William Hendricks, who is a total a total uh, complementarian but a great scholar. Greek scholar says that the syntax is clear but then because he passionately doesn't believe women can lead, he then kind of does something weird with it so we're now at logical challenges and the identity of all believers so the complementarian position as articulated well, by uh, um, uh, John Piper and Grudem, uh, jointly authored certain books, uh, and these are great guys. These are phenomenal uh, theologians, great heart for God people. Uh, their their sort of summary phrase for their position is: men and women are equal in being, but different in function or role. And that—that's the kind of clever phrase that, that certainly I bought into to try and deal with the with the issue in Scripture, which is where women are equal heirs of the same grace, or to use quote one Peter, or you know we're all priests on the same level, or that we're all one in Christ as in Christ as neither male or female, uh, slave or. Free, june nor greek so that level of equality of being you know we're all new creatures of the same you know that if you remember i taught that that you know god breathes from heaven that that ex nihilo creation the new creation is of the same substance the same value in every in everyone now regardless of gender so old covenant the covenant was made with men through circumcision Women were excluded because they didn't have those bits. They didn't have dangly bits. Um, just in case, in case you wondered. Um, the <laughs> so, in in the new covenant, in the new covenant, we the circumcision is replaced by baptism, and all are baptized. So we're all in the new covenant, and we all have we're all co-heirs, etc, etc so we, there's, there's no way you can argue unequal in being, alright so they've gone equal in being different in function now in the old, old school days, so if you look at this complementarian lot of way of thinking uh, it kind of moved over time but in the old school you know man his head the old school way of interpreting that passage we just did in 1 Timothy 2 was that women weren't in leadership because Eve was tempted first yes. I. she was a bit more vulnerable to getting it wrong that's why God that's yeah. why God excludes women from leadership in the church because yeah, Therese, Therese was, they're a bit dodgy yeah. Yeah. the thing is a lot of other scriptures, that, that's the the only other place you could even think is is where where in one peter men are told to live with their wives in an understanding way because she is a weaker vessel but that doesn't mean she's a bit tapped in the head
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's simply <laughs> it's, uh, you know we could Awful for that one, can't we? There's, there's not an exclusive domain of one sex, is it? To be a bit, a bit crazy. So, what it means—it's about strength, and that—that's demonstrate that you know. That's why you have win, women's events and men's events in the Olympics. Otherwise, it would, the women wouldn't win stuff. There's a physical strength difference, capacity difference. That's what it's about, and that's probably why one reason why when male domination comes in at the fall, by and large men are dominated because they're stronger so there's the sort of the physical strength thing has given them an advantage <coughs> and also the ability to dominate and you end up with you know, a long, long history of patriarchal culture however you know, 60s onwards you get the rise of the feminist movement and they're like saying well
1: contraception
0: And yes, thanks <laughs> contraception in case you didn't know (laughs) not that that's terribly terribly relevant to the argument however it did it did empower it did empower women yeah it did empower women so and and the biblical argument is being made look women women are not inferior okay they're not inferior they're maybe not as physically strong, but they don't have spiritual inferiority. Because yeah. the old school teaching was you don't give the women leadership because there's this vulnerability, and therefore the man in his house is there to give protection to this vulner- more vulnerable person. He's the priest in the household, etc., etc. That's the way I, I was taught that way, way, way back. Um, but that starts to cut across well, we're all a kingdom of priests. So how can i be more a priest than my wife that doesn't it's a priesthood of all believers now it kind of strokes the male ego you know well i'm i'm priesting you i'm protecting you but there's something in there that 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 got challenged and so to deal with that they said well women are equal in being they're just different in role that's the way they kind of termed it so it doesn't sound like we're saying women are a bit vulnerable really is this making sense so that's why that phrase came the trouble is when you think about the phrase which i hadn't because it sounded cool well that explains it all we're totally equal before god that sounds great i believe that it's just i get to do all the fun stuff and they don't and i'm a bloke so sounds good to me and sometimes you don't actually think further than that. But uh, uh, the, the the phrase is difficult because if someone is permanently excluded, forever excluded from having a certain role, it starts to say there's something different about them. So, I am permanently excluded from the role of giving birth to children. That's because there's something different about me. There's other, you know, you know, women don't have dangly bits, I don't have the other bits. It's just I mean, it's sort of basic human physiology. So, in, in, so, I don't function the same because I'm not made the same. So, my being is different, therefore, my function is different. Right, and we all accept that, we all kind of get that, that's fine. But what this phrase is saying is well we're all our being is all the same but we're not allowed to function all the same. But is that talking of or well, the physical level? the argument they're making is on a spiritual level so you can't have spiritual leadership although your being is the same it's just a role thing. God decided women's role was different end of really. Um, what about the first Peter that
2: says Sort of it's about physical differences, but what about sort of
0: emotional differences, the way men and women respond to situations? That yeah. But, but, well, I think there are emotional differences, and praise God for that as well. But I don't know if there's a scripture that says that that therefore means women shouldn't do certain things. So, so that, that, let's, just, let's just keep going and. Keep thinking. So it's a nice way of putting it, but it's a bit inconsistent to say that it's right at the bottom. No, it's not. My pages are different. To say that you're equal in nature and being, but unequal in role because of the nature of your being, just isn't logical sense. <coughs> just, just, run that by you slowly again. <laughs> to say that you're equal in nature and being, but unequal in role because of the nature of your being. Is basically what it's saying. So to exclude women from final decision-making all the time is saying men reason better, hear God better, make better decisions, which is clearly saying that they have a permanent advantage in the way their human nature and redeemed position functions, which is what the Arians believed about Christ being equal. If he was going to be equal to God, he couldn't be permanently submitted to him. pause for the logical penny to drop i keep the women get this quicker than the guys
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: a man is per- I've done this really, he's excluded from having babies because he's different in being and therefore functions as physiology of the thing to say to a woman she can't ever lead is to say that she's not just that her role is different but there's some deficiency in the design in that department alright It's not sufficient to say it's just not God's will. You have to say that women are different in design in the area of church leadership to the degree that that by dint of being female, they're never capable of performing the function. In the Complementarian view, a woman is always in submission to men just because she's a woman. Femininity becomes defined by submission and being submissive. Women's role in this view doesn't just define what she does, but who she is or what she is. She is female, she is subordinate. Inherent in the design is men rule and women obey. Are you following this? Uh, this isn't a role, but a permanent state of being. Therefore women are subordinate persons by nature and definition. So this is not about playing a role, but being something by nature in a permanent way, because made it God made it that way. So if you're going to be a complementarian you have to believe women can't do it because of their being to be consistent okay, that's what you have to believe I, I, I guess some people believe that to be consistent in this view yeah. so be consistent in this view the other way around you have to believe that God would never use women to lead in any significant way because they're not designed to do so just as men can't have kids because they're men, women don't lead because they're women. The Holy Spirit will never appoint a gift or gift a female with leadership gifts, because that's just not going to happen. The same way, I'm never going to have a give birth to a baby. That's
1: a, that's a two different things. That's physical and spiritual.
0: Which is which? Which is come on. Help me out here.
1: Woman bearing children. Yeah. That's a physical part of it. Yeah, it is. The leading of the church, that's not physical.
0: No, I'm using it as an analogy. Uh, The The nature of my being is that I am physically unable to have children. So my role in life is different.
1: Well, we, accept, we all, look.
0: If, if we don't accept that, then. Well, actually, in the world right now, people aren't accepting that, aren't they? They're in operations to change the nature of their, change the nature of their physical being, so that they can then function differently. But
1: they still can't have children. Yeah.
0: yeah. What I'm saying is, we all understand that. What I'm saying, if you say a woman. By definition of being a woman, can't do senior leadership, and that's a permanent state. It says something about her being, not just her role. Think, think about it, John. It messed with my head for a long time. Go on. Could, could
3: it, I don't believe this, but could you not, someone not say that it's not to do with a lack of. Or something lacking in a woman, but that God has just set women apart
0: to be submissive for some other reason. well Yeah, you could you could say that. That that's kind of that that's back to the you know equal in being but different role, and that's what God's proclaimed. Right. What I'm saying is, I think there's some logical inconsistency in that way of thinking because if you're permanently stuck in that place after a while it says something about who you are not just about what you do you know it's never never ever ever legal in god's kingdom for you to do something eventually you're going to start thinking it's about who i am not just about my role but that's, that's but that you know if you want to keep going the other direction then that you could say what you just and also
2: you wouldn't expect yeah. to see examples in the Bible of women reading
0: Yeah, we would not expect them there because it, it by design that's not what they do. Ever. But that was a male-dominated society. Exactly. Because he was writing in that, in that period. Yeah. But you know you had Paul came into Ephesus or
3: Corinth and he found a woman mm-hmm the river, washing clothes. Yeah, and they started a church, mm-hmm.
0: and the woman was in charge of the church. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Now, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that,
0: that used to be that used to be one of those exceptions that I didn't have an explanation. I mean, a
3: rather insulting sort of. I, I've never liked using this phrase, but it's one that you find complementarians using sometimes, which is a bit it, They often use the argument, well, a dog, God talked through a donkey. Um, and yeah. it's. Well, I the, good. Good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Which is very insulting and demeaning and undermining sort of example to use. But it's <coughs> that things that don't necessarily have a primary purpose, just as a counterbalance from what you're saying, that, that yeah. God, they've got a fixed primary purpose. Um, Fixed primary purpose of the donkey is not to talk. Um, uh-huh. God then used that to do so. So yeah. it's just as a that was yeah.
0: Good. But that only happened once.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, I- I- if that happened once with a woman, then mm. but it's still not a very pleasant no. analogy. No, 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 no. C- can we just keep going because this this does mess with if you've not thought this way before? I understand why it's kind of going. Hey, what? Just just, just let's, let's go through get through it and then. And then soak our brains in cold water and let them cool down or something. <laughs> yeah, um, there we go. We've done. Femininity is defined by submission. So, th- what, th- what we used to teach really is that women are subordinate persons by nature and definition (coughs) so this is not about playing a role but being something by nature in a permanent way because god made it that way so that's where we got to yeah you have to be consistent in this view god would never use a woman yet through scripture obviously there's loads more men than women for the reason john said you've got patriarchy up to your eyeballs through the you know the biblical uh, eras, um, and yet even in those contexts, you've got Deborah, Miriam, uh, Hulda, um, Mary, that that do amazing things. Some of which are leading, and we and we quoted Deborah last last week. And I reread the Deborah story again, and there's nothing there that says. Um, well, there wasn't a bloke, so God had to use a woman, which is the complementarian argument. It's not there, um, and she knew she was called as a prophet to do that job. She judged, she judged Israel. Um, um, The other thing about it is, is it cuts across if you, stu- if you go this difference difference in nature, difference in function, which is what you to be I think to be consistent in complementary. you have to say different in being and function, not same in being different in function and if you go that way you start to cut across the original created intention for men and women that we looked at earlier on where you know you've got this strong role of the wife the ally mm. This is not some feeble person. See, as soon as you get into, well, the woman is less capable, then the, the man's always got this card in his pocket. It's like, well, you might be deceived, or you're, you're a bit emotionally <coughs> unstable, or duh, 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 you're, you're easily led. That's not an ally. That's someone you can just tell them they're wrong because they're a bit emotionally unstable. Do you, do you see what I mean? It gives, it gives a lot of power into the hands of the men which doesn't sound like helper suitable in the real sense of what it what it means so just we're getting there we're doing well uh... and it does cut across universal equality status significance of every believer before god uh, i believe all people can hear god the same i don't hear god better than women i might hear god different to women but i don't hear god my sheep hear my voice Jesus said he didn't say in brackets but the women not so good or
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're a sheep you hear yes, very very good. Um, so the gospel and, and, and God <coughs> are gender race and social economic status blind because we all, we all reign with Christ so we, all believe, we believe that all believers are powerful, we all have new natures, we all have access to God on the same basis, unhindered, we all have authority in the spirit realm, we're not dependent on our spouses for growth, protection or hearing God. That doesn't mean that we don't benefit from our spouse's ability to protect us and hear God. All right. So don't hear what I'm not saying because yeah, it's a partnership I need my partner's ability to hear God yeah. I need my partner's ability to protect me and actually Theresa's ability to protect me is different to my ability to protect her but I'm not the only protector in this relationship um, so we believe you know, I've done that a bit Jesus gave all disciples the role of discipling nations, people, groups, no gender caveat. Therefore, all disciples are powerful world transformers. <laughs> the life. Th- th- I've said this to a few women and it's gone, yeah, that's how we feel. The life purpose, intellect, and moral understanding and spiritual connection of a woman is about as close to the heart of being as you can get. Suppressing women's aspirations in these areas is critical to their personhood and not just about role. So if you're constantly led to believe in some subtle or obvious way depending on what version of this you've grown up in is that you can't lead because men are better at it than you you actually are disempowered by that load of thinking and it touches something quite core to a woman's being and confidence. That's, that's kind of why I've gone all the way around through this to get to that point. And we've developed a whole culture in church that is basically either obviously or subtly undermining the ability of women to be powerful in who they are called to be. Yeah. And that's why even in an open, liberal, complementarian world, not many women are coming through doing powerful things. Because what they're hear- the subtext they're hearing is really... You're not actually cut out for this. It's about your. It is about your being, really. Although we have a funky phrase that says it isn't. Yeah. Is, is this? Mm. I just. I think you can still believe in complementarianism, but you got. I think you just need to be more honest about it and say we believe that. If that's where you're going to go, to be honest to that view, you have to say women are not cut out in their being to do the job of leading. Church, that that that's that then you're honest to to the yeah Johnny. Are we separating someone being from gifts that they have? Separating being from doing. Being so that from well, they Do kind him? of they kind of get connected up because we're kind of saying that women can't have the gift of leadership. In a senior way. So if if we go complementarian route, mm-hmm. so is, is does that come from from your being and then who you are, or does it come from the giftings that you have, or are they actually exactly the same thing? <coughs> That's a really amazing question. People have debated like you know, are you born a leader or are you gifted to be one? Uh, and I think it's probably a bit of both. I think what I'm beginning to say here is that women can be born to be leaders and then get the gift of leadership just like men men could be. If that, if that helps. Uh, You're yeah, in danger of developing a doctrine of spiritual inferiority of women in our attempts to defend the same but different thinking. And if, if that's correct, then if what, we, what we're beginning to say is correct, then we should see the emergence of women leadership in the New Testament pause thought the culture of the New Testament is highly hierarchical patriarchal and one question several people have asked me is why didn't Jesus have a woman apostle then if he, if he really was for this because yeah. the Jews
1: were
0: um. Well, they killed him anyway. <laughs> but no, John, sorry, I'm, te- I'm teasing you, but I think there's, there's some validity in that. So the furor about Mary and Martha, right? You know, Martha's in the kitchen making the food, and Martha is sitting at Jesus' feet. Mar- yeah, what-
3: Mary's, Mary's
0: at the feet, Martha's in the kitchen. Oh, don't some people know their Bibles. From the kitchen, Martha is saying, Why don't you get in here? The issue is not you're not helping me do food, which is how we've heard, you know. She chose a better thing, she relaxed at the feet of Jesus. That's, all, that's not what's going on there. The household was divided. The men sat in one place and the women were in the kitchen only men sat at the rabbi's feet to learn mary chose the better thing which was to be with the men and sit at the feet of the rabbi martha's issue is mary, You're in the wrong place yeah. not you're not doing the work mm-hmm. so
1: it? well the whole thing yeah. Yeah. from yeah. the top yeah. <laughs>
0: So Mary and Martha, Martha's in the kitchen. So the cultural backdrop is m- only men were discipled by the rabbi. The men all sat together in, in the lounge or whatever the room was and the women were in the kitchen. So like in the synagogue, they, men and women were separated. So only, only men got to sit at the feet of the rabbi. But Mary chose to sit there which was violating all the cultural codes about who could sit and be taught, and where they should, where women were supposed to sit. Jesus said she chose the better thing. So he took a big hammer to cultural norm right there. It, it was—you could still have a nice preach about, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus. But the point of the story isn't really about resting at the feet of Jesus. It's about women being honoured in Jesus' presence and being able to be taught on the same basis as the men were. So Jesus didn't have any of the twelve who were women, but then neither did he have any of the twelve who were Gentiles, or slaves, or any other sorts of categories which once... You know he's died and been resurrected now all sorts of things start happening in terms of people Paul never freed any slaves but none of us now would believe that slavery was a Christian thing to do
2: when
0: he gets a mention yeah he gets and inc- you know, encourages his owner doesn't he in that in that letter to Jude yeah. not Jude But it wasn't wasn't until the 19th century that Christians started to campaign for the ending of slavery and what drove it wasn't Bible verses that said that slavery should be banned because actually there was Bible instruction on how slaves should behave as Christian slaves and Christian masters and those verses were used by the slave traders to say slave trading and slavery is alright, it's in the Bible but what drove it was the freedom and identity agenda that we referred to earlier Alright? So that was the slow burning fuse that exploded 1800 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And now we're all like, no, slavery is bad. And it is bad. Because it violates something basic about human freedom and human dignity that Jesus totally stood for. Is, is make making sense? So some of these things are not fully formed in the text. But the seeds and the they call what do they call it? It's it's about trajectory. It's the trajectory has been set. But that that would be my kind of. Plus, there was a special role for the twelve as apostles of the Lamb, and they kind of reflected the twelve tribes and all this. So you see them in Revelation. So they had a very particular role. So so one of the big arguments that there aren't that people make that there aren't apostles today is that the twelve were unique. And that's true but then you get other apostles mentioned like paul barnabas possibly titus and timothy in you know Apollos isn't directly mentioned as an apostle there are other people outside the 12 start to come up as apostles so the 12 are unique but they're not it's not an exclusive group uh amazing amazing so that was supposed to be a pause (laughs) New Testament women leaders, we're not going to spend loads of time on this you can go read them they're they're fairly easy to find Uh, Phoebe in Romans 16, there's quite a list there she was probably, a lot of commentators probably the letter carrier which was a very important job and she was also a deacon Um, Priscilla and Aquila traditionally the leader is put in first. So you see that Paul Barnabas and Paul are on a missionary journey. Paul strikes Elymas blind and there ever after it's Paul and Barnabas. And and Acts traces Paul's life not Barnabas's life. So Priscilla is obviously the man woman team but it seems that certainly in teaching Apollos etc she seems to have been mentioned first and they had a church that met in their house and so so forth. Now here's, here's a hot one, there's, so I don't mean she, she was a hot woman, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot topic, Is what I should have said, oh, oh, I need to drink some water. Juno. <laughs> Juno <laughs> Juna, was a hot apostle, yeah. You can't say anything in
3: the country. No. <laughs>
0: These <laughs> gorgeous living apostles yeah. uh, <laughs> so this this one has as you would imagine this one has been hotly debated because in the list there is Junia uh, and it says uh, it's that her and What's the guy's name there's a guy in, uh, andronicus. thanks andronicus and junior outstanding amongst the apostles oh boy is there a kind of because if you allow that this is a if you allow that this is a woman and it means that she was an apostle then actually all bets are off at this point uh which is kind of this was another point of you know kind of those sort of stones falling over for me It was like oh my goodness uh, there's some argument about how many early church fathers like Chrysostom, etc. saw this as a female, but there's actually growing agreement by both sides of the argument that Juno was a woman. And a lot of the pre-1940s Bible translations like Whitcliffe, Tyndale, Geneva Bible, King James Version, all translate it as a woman. And there's a good reason for it, because the male version, Junia, there's no inscription or writing using the male version in the New Testament period. So it it comes later. But the New Testament was written all before 100 AD. So once you get past that, it it appears. But in the New Testament era... It's, it's a woman's name and, the, and the, the male version has not appeared then the other thing that people do is say oh outstanding among the apostles just means doesn't mean they were apostles it just means maybe they hang out with the apostles but I, I don't the, the bit I read on this it's a bit like saying Andy Murray's outstanding amongst Scottish tennis players <laughs> You know, nobody'd go. Well, is he a tennis player or is he a ball boy? You know, they're not. That—that's the way this is put together. So, if you believe in present—and now some of the complementarians don't believe in present-day apostles, so it doesn't bug them too much. But if you believe in present-day apostles and you can have a woman, then game's over. Um. You've got, Philippians is a really interesting book, because it seems to be written as a massive appeal for unity in the church. And by the time he gets to chapter 4, so it's in Philippians, there's this huge appeal to, to... to imitate Christ in His humility and how He becomes a servant and all this, we should have the same attitude as that. We should be of one heart and mind, and on and on and on. He it goes, he's going on about all this, and then finally he names he names the people that are the problem, which is you, dear and city, two leading women, who, who, who he said struggled with him in the gospel. So these were significant enough for a whole letter to be written to the whole church because these two leading women we don't know what we don't know what their leadership role but it must have been important because this is written to the whole church to try and fix it seems to fix this tension that's arising between these two uh, courageous women Uh, you've got Nympha and the church in her house which means she probably led it because the name is the household leader and then though the houses they met in were often quite so you remember the upper room in Pentecost there's 120, that's somebody's dining room in a, in a grand house and they could get lots of people in because they, they lay down to eat so it takes up a lot of room lying down to eat and So well off people had big rooms and households would have had servants children, maybe extended family, so when it says and the whole household turned to Christ that could have been 20-30 people and then when the, the church met it could have been you know eighty, hundred. So it's quite possible it makes you know, it's quite possible that Nympha led that church. In in her household, in her house. Um, we've done some of the old testament ones. I need to pause again. It's, yeah.
1: I <laughs> As long as it's a real easy peasy one, Johnny. Uh, it's really for you. Aww.
0: Confidence or giddy everywhere. Yeah. Uh, right. um, in the Amplified, when it's talking about
1: mm. this some performance form and things you go, genius. Alright, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Junior,
0: yeah. Um, it says, it says they are men held in highest esteem. Yes. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> it's a modern <Martin> translation.
1: <laughs>
0: if it's post 1940, pretty much every translation since 1940 has done exactly what you just said. It's a now, and the, yeah, it what? It's
1: genius. genius.
0: Yeah, which is male. Yes. Uh, Amplified is a bit of a funny one because it's actually. The Amplified is an expansion of the AV, but it was done in 1950-something or other. So what they've done is take, I mean, helpfully in some places, they've taken and tried to fill out the meaning of the Greek words in the text. But it's also a mini commentary in places, so people are putting their thoughts into. So it's a useful tool, but Amplified is, 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 is a mixed blessing, but mostly a blessing. I've had a few a few breaths. How are you doing? You yeah. brain's still working? Okay, we just we we'll, we'll get this done in a couple of minutes, and then we'll we'll see what we do so just, just to talk about this the sort of practical implications of this so we're not into Greek words and sentence construction anymore we're into hopefully things that we can more easily connect to as soon as you start to ignite the possibility of women in senior leadership in the church it creates all kinds of questions and raises emotive issues for everybody <laughs> So we were talking about this while we were away at the Nottingham uh, Transformation School and there was a bunch of us at that and and we were like and Danny Silk had done some teaching on this and suddenly all the men are like wow what we've believed and practiced something different for years and we start to feel guilty because we've not encouraged our wives enough and the like and then some of the women can feel darn you know all this sort of they get they're frustrated. Some ladies are frustrated because there's never been an opportunity, and they feel like they're carrying something, and there's been no way through. Uh, and then there's other women that are just like scared. It's like I don't want to be a leader. I liked it how it was because you know leading res- involves responsibility, and it's quite nice when you just give it all to the men. Uh, and so there's a whole mixture of emotional reactions: people feeling bad, people feeling frustrated people feeling scared because the name of the game is being changed. Um, and even in circles that have believed this kind of thing for longer than us, <laughs> it's still incredibly male-dominated. I was just reading in the newspaper today less than six percent of all business leaders are women. Uh, and I think even talking to the Bethel guys who believe this for Way, and, and, and we're not believing this because the Bethel guys do Because when I looked at their teaching on it a few years ago it was absolutely rubbish
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, they didn't do a thorough job on, on this Very much. but what made me think about it was the freedom issue that we've all yeah. encountered that's really, the, I've given you all the reasons but even in a context like that all this senior leadership for years has been men, even though they believe because we've had centuries of this yeah. and so we have, we have a culture that maybe even isn't great for women to be leading in. We don't sometimes know what that might look like so they don't fancy it because it's all these sort of testosterone fuel blokes leading stuff. Uh, and the model and the flavour and the culture is very male. Yeah, so uh, men can be threatened. Like, wow, it was bad enough. I was competing with all these other guys. Now that women can take the job,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and what's it going to be like to be led by a woman? You know, just what's that going to do to my sense of masculinity? And um, but it, I, I know it's funny, but it's also real. People feel these sort of things, and. Uh, and women can feel resentment being kept down uh, if this is true it's going to take a, 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 a quite a time to change the culture so that women can be free to be women because what we don't want is we don't want tokenism no. or we believe it now so uh, it could be you you know <laughs> that would be really unfair because then you end up with a, you end up with a bad decision. Maybe someone who's not prepared or gifted. That that's that's not good. So we don't want to. We don't want tokenism. That's that's actually dishonouring to women rather than honouring. Um, we. It's going to take a while to actually figure out what this looks like. A lot of the. The training is for leadership in church life has been quite male orientated, mm-hmm. um, so that that needs to, to be different as well, um, and and probably we need to if this original plan of man woman partnership actually represents. What God is like, when men need to value more the emotional, instinctive, intuitive thing that women are stronger in, and allow that to influence the whole culture, so it starts to balance it out into a a, 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 a truly, you know, both genders are affecting the environment in the same kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that might be like because I.
2: The Holy Spirit looks more like that, though.
0: Let's say a bit about that.
2: The well, Holy Spirit's more like that.
0: More intuitive. and. More intuitive. Yes.
2: More... Sensitive. Well, I not know, more sensitive, but... I don't mean that in
1: a negative way. No.
2: Oh. You'll know something, not because you've been given information. You just know something. That's what a word acknowledges. You've got a download from the Holy Spirit instantly telling you about somebody's situation or giving you some insight into what's going on with that person. That's what I mean. I think the Holy Spirit is part of the answer, which is why I think that's another contributing factor to... While well, we're changing how we're thinking, yeah, because we've been influenced more by, by the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, who works really more true. on that kind of a basis than the whole intellectual yeah. logic. Um, here's points one, two, three, and four. <laughs> he just comes in and goes, There you go, it's that, yeah, it doesn't matter, yeah, well, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. who's. So I wonder. Yeah. you're Overwhelmed. So I think that's a contributing factor to this as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so.
0: Because
2: we're suddenly we're all learning new things. Yes.
0: I think it's interesting that the, the church has historically been rubbish with the Holy Spirit and rubbish for women.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so you know, I've read a really interesting book 2000 years of charismatic christianity basically every time the holy spirit rocks up the church squelches it institutionalizes it and so maybe the women are going to help us not institutionalize everything so come on ladies this is we need we need powerful women and powerful men and neither threatened by the other uh, and we function according to gifting not gender yes.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and that's going to take a while because I think how get things get expressed is different by men and women but it doesn't make it wrong it's just it's, in the right sense it's complementary yeah. so yeah. both sides of this argument all know that there's and agree that men and women are different and, and but they're meant to be different so that they do this is what we're saying, not that they so that they do that. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so a gift has to become before gender and and we have to start taking the risk of giving not just women jobs to do but authority. So you know part of our journey as a church is as you maybe have noticed actually we have had quite a number of ladies do a good job of preaching on a Sunday. That's because we've been on a journey already and I'm hoping that you've had a good experience of people like Jan Treadgold in a part-time leadership role in the church um, Teresa's role in the church Jan McFarlane's role in the church Fiona's role in the church you know, we've got women doing amazing stuff in this church already yeah. and I'm hoping that everybody's experience of women getting freed up doing stuff has been good because then but we've got to the point where I thought we can't take this any further without actually teaching about it if we're going to move this culture of freedom for everybody on then we need to take the lid off for the the women and actually talk about it like this so that we know what, what we're doing and where we're going
3: Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord The husband is the head of the wife Even as Christ is the head of the church His body and is himself its saviour As the church submits to Christ So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church And gave himself up for her That he might sanctify her Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word So that he might present the the church to himself in splendour without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own body, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the Church.
0: However, that That each one of you love his wife as himself, and that the wife see that she respects her husband. Thanks, Simon. Amazing passage. Amazing passage. Uh, And at this point, i part company with the egalitarians. So the egalitarian stuff I read reads on through to the story, the, the, the section about slavery which talks about slaves submit to your masters and says well we it says what I said about slavery that actually you know time has moved on and we've realised that slavery is wrong that's in the bible to help slaves be Christians in a culture in which slavery was alright so it's not a justification for slavery it's saying look people in Ephesus you've got slavery this is how Christians who are slaves and masters should behave and then they read backwards to this chat bit and go it was a patriarchal culture male-dominated marriages that's just how it is so Christians if you're in that kind of marriage this is how you should behave so it applied to they then say it's a cultural argument so that this does not apply because things have moved on in our culture and marriage my problem with that is that slaves and masters is not about Christ and the church, where men and women in marriage is. Christ and the Church is not cultural, it's theological and eschatological. So it's it's about the bride of Christ and the end times. And so it's saying something it's it's got more, more luggage on this than just oh, that's how it was in the day. So I think we have to, we can't just kind of say, oh well, it's just saying if you happen to be in a patriarchal culture where marriages are dominated by men then read this bit of ephesians mm. otherwise it doesn't matter i, I don't think you can stu- you c- it, there's too much in the text uh, but actually it actually says actually this isn't really about marriage at all this is about christ and the church so there should be a big flag to say this is really important that we that we get our heads round around this and it, it is clearly talking about it says man is the the head of the woman and she submit is to submit to him and the other thing I struggle with is this idea that headship is source because when Jesus is head over all things for the church and he's a head over all I'm really glad that he's not just the source I'm quite glad that he's got authority over demons and uh, you're with me so you can't you can't have it you can't have your cake and eat as my mom used to say <coughs> so the, and, and this picture that's painted here is no way a fit to the patriarchy culture of the day because here the man is given huge responsibility to live a devoted sacrificial life of love not to have a dominant role and he's actually supposed to love his wife as his own body and that that's really about Christ and his church okay, let me take a breath the reason we read from verse 21 is the subheading isn't in the text and neither is the word submit in verse 22 where it says wives, submit to your husband submit isn't in the Greek it's borrowed from verse 21 mm. ah. <laughs> sneaky NIV dudes mm.
2: out of reverence
0: for Christ wives to your husbands that's it so wives is an example of wives so it is saying wives submit to your husbands as an example of what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ so it's kind of it's continuing the same thought rather than break new thought it's as an as an example of submitting to one another women in marriage take the lead in this amazing thing which puts us. puts a little bit of a different slant, slant straight away, doesn't it? But that, that is, honestly, that's how it, it, it's structured. Uh, so the ver- verse 22 does not have some in it. It's borrowed. And, and, and it's fine. It's, 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 the translators have done it right. It's just lots of Bibles have got a subheading jammed between. So you never just read it like the sense is meant to be so it says the sense is the example of mutual submission is that women are leading examples of this in the way they they submit to their men in marriage um, now this submission cannot be as to a lord in the worldly way because jesus expressly forbids in matthew 20 25 to 26 which is in the notes Jesus called to them and he said you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Mm -hmm. Um, So this whole dominating idea of head over is not what Jesus has ever had in mind. So that's not what this is talking about at all. It's not domination, it's not head over, it's a different kind of exercise, it's a servant authority. Mm -hmm. So the man is to follow uh, the Christ-like example by leading in sacrificial love. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives do it by being great at submissing, submissing. It's another word I invented. Men do it by being great at being sacrificial lovers. Are you you following? Um, So marriage reflects and expresses the union and relationship Jesus has with his church. This is really important that we get this. So we're going to talk about the husband-wife relationship. It's, It's one of the highest callings possible Because together, men and women are the image of God. The us of the Trinity is reflected in the man and the woman together. And now, in the new creation and the new covenant era, marriage reflects Christ and his church. Who will reign together forever. So at the beginning, the planet was to be ruled by a man and a woman at the end the universe will be ruled by a man and a woman only the one man and woman at the end is Jesus in the church the man and woman at the beginning was Adam and Eve Mm. I thought that was pretty good
3: Mm.
0: and marriage reflects the one flesh union Jesus has with his church so when Paul has that encounter on the road to Damascus Jesus says Paul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he's like, what do you mean, I'm killing Christians? He says, yeah, no, that's me you're touching. Every time you poke them, you poke me. Because Jesus has one flesh union with his church. And he makes the same argument. He says, how can you unite Christ with a prostitute, in 1 Corinthians 6, I think it is, because you are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You You have spiritual union, but he counts you as physically his body on the earth this is a mystery don't ask me to explain it beyond that i don't know (laughs) but that's what the bible teaches there is that is a one flesh union christ and his church i've tried to these one day these notes will make sense we'll just keep going what what we often bring to this idea of submission to headship is the idea of final authority who has the final word the last say And the idea that Christ is boss slash Lord of the church who we then obey. I was kind of raised on that, you know, Jesus is Lord, do what he tells you to do. Mm -hmm. And then we bring that kind of idea to this. That's not an accurate picture of our relationship with Christ or his goal in relation to marriage. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Stay with me, stay with me. Christ's headship in relation to his church. Let's look at it from Jesus' point of view before we try and figure out what it means in marriage, okay? So Jesus is head of the church hallelujah we're really glad about that uh i'm very happy that he's head over the church body his body but he's not head in a way that dominates it but a way that elevates it Mm -hmm. so in his headship he calls us friends he calls us brothers he's raised us to be seated with him in heavenly places and he's made us Mm co-heirs that's not domination it's elevation that that Jesus' energy was expended in making us, in re-establishing us as his equals not keeping us as his subordinates let that land he's called us to look at him eye to eye face to face like the original Genesis intention that man and woman were in partnership, stood that word that we looked at last week the Hebrew word, there's actually a sense it means standing opposite looking at him The woman looks at him eye to eye. She is a strong ally. As God is Israel's helper, so is the woman, the helper of the man. That's what Jesus has done. He's taken us out of the dust of sin. And he's lifted us up and says, now you can look at me eye to eye. You're the helper I've needed from eternity past. He's elevated us to equal status with him. That's what his headship does to the church. Ah. (laughs) he lifts us up, he nourishes us, he empowers us his goal is intimacy and union he's made us one flesh with him it is not a goal for the church to lead Christ or Christ to exercise authority over the church but to achieve intimacy and union so two hearts are one, two, two minds are one two spirits are one This then renders the concept of final authority redundant. It's the same thing, but done a different way. But my heart's entwined with his heart. I want what he wants, and he wants what I want. That's why he said, ask anything in my name and I'll do. It's a two-way street now, not a one-way street. So it's, he's lifted us up to be seated with him as brothers, as friends. I mean, it's remarkable. Yes. I no longer call you servants; I call you friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's given us the ability to influence him, and he wants us to be influenced by him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's given us authority to bind and loose. He's give, you, you follow. This is this is G, the function, the mm-hmm. functionality of Jesus, his headship to his bride, is to lift us up, cleanse us, empower us set us free, and and, and make us significant. So Christ's goal is intimacy, union and unity, not pulling rank in some sort of hierarchical authority. And it's the same goal in marriage. So, we we have to kind of fight for intimacy, we have to fight to keep our connection with our spouse, not fight for who rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I mean, God's been talking just a couple of years in our marriage about this how do we stay connected? Staying connected is something we talk about lots. And it's really but there are times when we don't connect, where we say something harsh or we do something but actually when we stay connected, who's in charge is irrelevant. Because we're together and we know one another and we sense and feel and we know our likes and we dislikes and we don't want to sort of play the I'm in charge card. Yeah. Or, or, you know, that's the guy thing and the, the, the woman can do the, well I'm going to manipulate you, card or not. You know, we all have our ways and means when we stop doing intimacy. Yeah. Then we move into manipulation, overbearing, somebody has to be in charge, but you can be in charge and have no in- intimacy. And you pretty quick find out in the bedroom whether you have connection or authority trust me (laughs) 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 I might do but that would cost money so the goal (laughs) the goal is liberated Christ's goal is a liberated and powerful church and so now for the woman lifted up to equality with her husband as the ally and co-heir that she already is she's been made that, she is a co-heir this is in complete conflict with the culture of that day and still I think to this day Paul is in effect saying (coughs) In your culture, guys, women don't count for much. You know, in Jewish culture, the testimony of a woman didn't count in court. You know, they were kept separate. They didn't inherit. And on and on and on. Paul's saying, in your culture, women don't count for much, but husbands, your job is to lift them up to be your counterpart. You have to make them look good. You need to bring them into their potential, get them to reign so they're reigning with you. This is an eschatological job. This is to bring the future into the present. This is to start making it look on earth like it's going to be with Jesus and his church in heaven and like the plan was back in the garden. It's a restoration. It's a demonstration of God's heart, marriage. (coughs) You have to bring them... (coughs) You have to bring them into line with the kingdom of God reality, releasing them from the lowliest state that their culture puts them in. Your job is redressing the balance to restore what culture has robbed the woman of in dignity, honour and influence. If they are soiled, you clean them. You are not allowed to keep them in a state of either emotionally, spiritually or physically, any way would speak of them as servants or broken. You're to heal them, empower them to greatness. That's kind of a paraphrase of what he says. You know, Jesus washes the, us with the water of the word so that we're without spot and wrinkle. That's what we read. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying the culture squished them, squashed them, broken and kept them down. Jesus is saying, in my culture, you empower them, you lift them up and, they <coughs> and we reign together. So the husband's goal is a powerful awesome wife to partner with not someone to oversee but so he's using his authority i'm not saying he doesn't have headship but it's the way it's used what's the purpose of headship and he's using it he's using the authority and power that he has as a man to do what jesus does with his power and authority which is to lift us up and make us powerful not to make us subjects. The husband and wife together have the goal of, so that you both have responsibility in this, which is the goal of u- intimate union, by expressing love and submission and empowering headship. So as the wives do well at what they're called to lead in, which is showing this submission, and the husbands do well in this empowering leadership, The goal of that is that we have a demonstration on the earth of what we will have, which is Christ reigning with his church in union. So you have a physical representation in a marriage of what Christ has achieved at his death and resurrection and will be seen in him and his bride reigning. Marriage is pretty important. so, in an environment where yielding and giving to one another is at work because of the powerful force of love, the question of who's in charge becomes irrelevant. How can I support you, make you look good, give you honour, wave you on beyond me, and stay connected to you with the overriding concern? So even Jesus does that. He says, "You're going to do what I did and greater things." Yeah. Yeah. That's what he. I mean, he could have trumped us yeah. hands down. Like, we'd never have any chances of looking as good as him. And he goes <laughs> yeah. and says, You know, I want you to look as good as me and better. I'm leaving you stuff to do. That's headship, Bible style. Um, Amazing. Overlays of hierarchical thought are counterproductive and clunky when the goal is intimacy and union. If there's a power play, that breaks intimacy. If my goal of relating to you is to to manipulate you or get you to do what I want, it's all agenda driven, you are going to be defended and defensive, not open and connected Yeah, you just have to think about it, it's true Uh, Paul says, even if I boast a little too much of our authority which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed, Paul saw true authority for building up to make people stronger, not to make it look like he was in charge. Heart connection, intimacy with other people, particularly in the marriage, will take you places structure and authority never will. And this is a picture of the Godhead, which is important, which is what we talked about last week. The Godhead functions out of overflowing love. God, God is God is a relationship. He's, he is eternally a relationship. Doesn't need anybody to be in charge because they all, none of them want to do their own thing anyway. They all want to honour the other. They're all out for the good of the other. It's a love God so loved because He is love and He he only, God can only (coughs) be love because in His being He is a relationship. And that love spills out into creation. You go away and think about that as well. Final authority becomes unnecessary because each party is only out for the other's good. We live in a fallen world where final authority is necessary because that's how we control things and stop things getting out of hand. That's what it's there for. But in this new thing that Jesus died to bring about, this new redeemed order, intimacy and union rule, Marriage is a face-to-face union of powerful people. Where the wife takes initiative in submissive love and the man takes initi- initiative in sacrificial love, the goal is oneness and intimate union. Christ's goal with his church, and, the, and the, uh, we've said all that. Sorry, these notes are a bit repetitive, but I'm just trying to say the same thing different ways till I, till I understood it. <laughs> <laughs> but this explains interesting verses like... 1 Peter 3.7 it says to live with your wife in an understanding way as as an equal or co-heir lest your prayers be hindered. So if I treat my wife as having less of inheritance in Christ than I do I'm going to get my prayers aren't going to be answered. So it's actually an injunction on the husband to not get into a spiritual superior inferior game. As soon as we think that then guys... You're going to not get so many prayers answered with your those of you that are married, but it's good to practice anyway when you're not. You know, honouring women as co-heirs, as, yeah. as equal heirs of this same, same wonderful gospel. <sighs> I said that. so that. and this is a really fascinating verse if you're a hierarchicalist person i know it's back to sex again but never mind it is in the bible this explains as well why in 1 Corinthians 7 4 it says that the wife has authority this is actually the only place it talks about having authority over the other But the confusing thing is is that both has authority over the other one so it says the wife has authority over the man's body and the man has authority over the wife's body in the bedroom so that does not fit a nice linear hierarchical man's in charge, that totally messes that up, doesn't it so it explicitly empowers the man and the woman equally and sticks them in bed together and says go work that out
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <Don't
0: paraphrase>. <laughs> <laughs> so because both are in charge neither is in charge or because both are in charge both are in charge however you look at it, 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 it there's no way that it's yeah. one above the other mm. yeah it's exciting so Ephesians 5 oh we've made it, my goodness thank you Jesus Ephesians 5 shows us that God's plan is intimacy by elevation and love, not submission and authority I can maximise my obedience to an authority figure without ever having a close relationship with them That is not the gospel. That's the gospel I was taught. You know, Jesus is Lord, He's the boss, He's the king, He has all authority. Do what He says and you'll be amazing. That's not how it works. No. No. Now, He is Lord and boss and all those no. things, but what He's called me to is intimacy as a fellow heir. He wants me to function out of love and desire, not out of jesus tell me how high to you know tell me to jump and tell me how high is <laughs> how a lot of people think about who's so amazing all he is is the great commander in the sky But i have no intimate knowledge of him and you don't need it to function in a hierarchical authoritarian worldview where jesus is boss yeah and if you think like that then that's what your marriage will look like and that's what your church will look like but it's not about that it's about family, it's about intimacy it's about doing it because of love not because we're supposed to and out of a sense of union and and connection so really that kind of picture is not about marriage or the church or Christ or the Godhead none of it's meant to function in a hierarchical, authoritarian, head-over kind of a way. I think I'm going to go home and have a glass of wine after that.
1: <laughs> it's
0: actually interesting because I've been thinking about this for two years and I've done it in two nights, so uh, you've done incredibly well to, uh, to stay with that. The implications are huge but really it, 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 it's, more res- it's more freedom which means it's more responsibility for men and women actually to have a culture that's free for everybody but it's got to be better. Because yes. the level of freedom we give the most inhibited group is really a measure of the freedom we all have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if
0: we have an inhibited group, that means we're, none of us are in true freedom. Yeah. So if we lock our women up, we're all a bit locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom, ladies, freedom.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now, calm down. <laughs> Alright, yeah I think I better turn it off now.